0: You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro, who's the Deputy Chairman of Sassafin Securities in Johannesburg. David Moody's, I don't know if it's it's sort of saying, well, this is what you're going to get on March the 27th, but it's just downgraded South Africa's GDP forecast from a fairly anemic 1% to a pretty pathetic 0.7%. And that's probably quite generous, I would have thought.
1: Well, it's in line with everybody else, you know, that growth is going to be... Uh, point below one percent. You have to look at this against where we were, perhaps at the similar period last year, where everybody thought it would be one and a half to two percent. So it's half of what we originally thought it would be, and that's what, that's the trend. You know, every year we keep downgrading. Uh, the worry is that what's the potential for the economy for the next two to three years, or even beyond? and Lindsay it's no it's no greater than 1%. So mm. I think we're going to live with this. I I don't understand economics. When I say I don't understand. Of course you do. But economists are well economists are able to work out what the potential is. In other words, uh let's say what are the factors of production? What are the skills? What is the capacity? I don't know how they get to this uh number, but uh, uh you know they're they're able to kind of forecast well it can't grow beyond this and I suppose electricity and power has a lot to do with it. So the outlook for the next few years is going to remain against these kind of levels. So you know, with Moody's, um, I don't know what when their announcements are going to come out. March you know, the 27th. Anybody looking at that, yeah. You know, so mm. someone's got to be able to say against this. Well, you know, what's what the chances of paying debt down, which is increasing over the next few years. You know, no wonder. The other rating agencies are fairly negative because it's going to put a strain on, uh, on 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 everybody here, certainly on the fiscus to pay down debt. So yeah, it's it's a reality which we're uh, you know which we have to face. I yes, think that, I think that's why the rands perhaps the dollar's been quite strong today, mm. and uh, the rands now at fourteen ninety eight. So we've given up whatever gains we had last year and heading. You know, once again to that 15 level and almost 19 and a half against the pound. Now, that might be because of Moody's is coming out with, uh, you know, that viewer. Alternatively, it's just a factor of the market today.
0: Yeah, I think um, one of the reasons that was mooted for the RAND going close to 15 again and changing its big figure from 14 is because of the Moody's announcement. But I say to myself, you know, it's just an excuse. As you quite rightly said, they're just going in line with everybody else.
1: They they are. that's. I don't know how they work it all out, you know, how everybody, but I'm sure that they take guidance from uh, the other organizations. IMF have come and downgraded us to, I think, 0.8 or thereabouts. It might even be lower than that. And you know know something, uh, Lindsay? If you look at the results coming through, every day now we're starting to get results which are pointing towards more and more stress. In this economy. Yes. Um, You know, it's not only, yes, these are multinational companies with elements of uh, South African trading in, but uh, it's just ongoing now that it's, uh, you know, the pressure is starting to build up uh, on corporate numbers and uh, not looking good.
0: No. And and on that note, actually, one of the first ones that came out um, this morning, which is in line with what you've just said, is uh, the Bid Corporation Limited, Bid Corp, came out with a trading statement. And the share price on my screen is down 3% at the moment, about 45 minutes before the close. But you know the uh, the whole bid group quite well. What do you make of Bid Corp? Do you like it? Or, again, is it just one of those ones that you just can't touch simply because of what you've alluded to in the last six minutes?
1: Well, this is better than – this is offshore. Okay, so uh, they have limited South African exposure, but um, it does show a slowdown in food services that 's yes. what they do that Rem- uh, they have exposure in australia i don 't know whether that 's been hit by uh, the fires you because know, it's it 's more hospitality that 's what food services are. Uh, Hong Kong has been a bit of an issue for them um, i don 't know what growth is like in Europe, but overall they 've impressed us on the upside, and I think why the market has come down is that I think the market was positioning itself for a slightly better resolve, uh, result. I think they – I haven't got the numbers in front of me, 3 to 5%, whatever it is. Mm. I think the market was looking for a lot more than that, maybe – uh, in the region of seven, eight, or nine percent.
0: I do see their trucks whizzing around the Netherlands almost every day. If I go out, I see bid services, bid food, whatever it is, and they're delivering food. So they're doing well in certain countries. And, and then the Netherlands is one country that's doing better even than Germany, France, um, Italy. Mm. But obviously, they're feeling the, the strain as well. David. The big standout set of results today was Anglo American Platinum Limited because yes, their share price yes, up around four and a half percent as we speak. Mm. These numbers are mm. staggeringly good.
1: They, they are. They're exceptionally good, and the market is pricing in another good performance. There's just one factor about this. Yes. Production flat. So this is a, you know, production is pretty. If if you look at it, they didn't increase production a lot. What, what did increase was the basket, uh, the PGM basket. So in dollar terms, it was up 27 percent. In RAND terms, about 38 percent. And that gave the, uh, the big move. And of course, they generate a huge amount of cash. And the problem is you're saying, well, OK, what's the outlook? You know, uh, how does the outlook? Are they going to increase production or are we going to rely on a weakening RAND and increasing prices again? So I think that's the only caveat, and probably they look a little overpriced, maybe relative to Impala and Sabanya, who have got some upside uh, in that si- on 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 that side of it. You know, can increase production on that. So I, I've still got to go through the results in much greater detail, but I think the one thing that struck me was was that. But that's that's not holding the price back because you know, it's still it's still the, it's still the platinum producers. You know, that are running hard. Let's we're not going to stop them. No. you know what I mean it's, uh, no it's a fantasy it's a
0: it, it's a fairy tale story and South Africans yeah. when you see precious metals running especially now these days the platinum group metals because we dominate 75% of world production then a South African investor or punter is going to say I've got to be part of this there's two questions I ask you now uh, number one do you think they're holding back production because this is what South Africa should have been doing for many many years in other words saying well we we hold all the cards here so we're going to restrict how much there is so our prices go up and you can, you, can, you can pay up or get new technology and find some other metals that might uh, fill your catalytic converters or whatever else they're used for. That's the first thing. And secondly, is it a sign that Chris Griffiths is, a, is unlike a prize fighting boxer, a heavyweight champion who carries on and on. He's just saying, right, this is the top I'm getting out of here. So two points that's, there. Mm,
1: mm, that's, that's very interesting because uh, that's the first and I thought, you know, look, he's had a very strong track record. He was at Kumba. Uh, he left Kumba in very good shape. And, in fact, we were a bit disappointed when he left Kumba to join Anglo Platz about five or six years ago. I'm not sure how many years he's been there. More than but that. he's yeah. done an incredible, yeah, he's done a very, very good job at uh, Anglo Platz. And, you know, if you look back. And look at Anglo Platz when he took over and where it is today uh, he 's got rid of a whole lot of other you know areas which uh, were unproductive he 's got or unprofitable he's sold off a lot of mines and uh, they're in a far better shape you know when he retires now than they were when he took over. Um, what the outlook is i you, know, you need you need a bigger brain than me someone who understands mining to try and forecast. Uh, whether they will increase production uh or not. It's not always easy. Mining's not easy. And but I would have thought that, you know, in a year like this they would have uh production would have been better. But let let me not I d I, I don't want to um I don't want to stick my neck out not being that knowledgeable on on, on how mines operate and, and what held them back. But it, it, it is something that's just struck us. You know, it certainly struck me.
0: Yes, another one that struck me today was the voluntary t- trading statement for the six months ended yeah. the 31st of December from yeah. Discovery. I'm looking at it now, and it says uh. here, now, you, just say you hadn't heard, you hadn't read the results, or the, rather the trading update, which you have done, of course. Over the six months ended yeah. 31st of uh. December, all of Discovery's established and emerging businesses, with the exception yeah. of Vitality Life, produced robust operating results. So, yeah. uh, and so it goes on, and then it lists it. It says, indicative increase or decrease in normalized profit from key Operations, Discovery Health plus 8%, Discovery Life up 25%, Discovery Invest, 7%, Insurer up 21. And so it goes on and on and on. And yet the share price getting walloped.
1: Well, because the bottom line, which comes down further, you know, further down the statement, yes. is that headline earnings are going to be down between eight and thirteen percent. Now that's that's a big. So when we read what's happening at the top. Yes. Uh, these are all the divisions are making good sales or their profits are up. Obviously, below the line, below all of this, things are happening there which are very, very costly. We don't know what the uh, the real cost of vitality life means. You know, they were down 145%. This is uh, a hedge that's gone wrong. Uh, we're going to have to find the detail out lower. But what does come through is that um, that there are things happening below the line which we can't quite get a grip on. Are they so once off, though?
0: You see, this is what people will we, say. It, this it, is a knee-jerk reaction, surely, no, because… No,
1: no, it's not. no, okay. because this is ongoing. This is ongoing. You know, uh, this is what they call um, increase in spend on new initiatives. You know, that's up 81%. So it means they're plowing more and more money into these new initiatives. But what's happening is we're not seeing the gains from these new initiatives. You know, In other words, uh, let me put this in another way. Uh, with all those numbers that you're seeing, you're hoping to see something come through to the bottom line. And it's not. When your profits are down 8%, 13%, you're saying, hold on. So when are these new initiatives going to kick in a posit- in a positive way? so it's 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 a rather you know it's it's a bit disturbing or let's put it this way we don't quite grasp what's happening you know we we it's hard to reconcile exactly as you've said with the bottom line but the market's saying hold on a sec this is not this is not what we wanted from a company uh, that used to produce plus 20% profits every year, you know, year after year after year, yeah. which hasn't done so for the last couple of years.
0: Well, of course, this is the old skyscraper head office syndrome, you know, when someone mm. starts to say to themselves, well, you know, we're doing so well, we're going to build a, a Google or Apple-style head office in, in Santa, and up it goes, and then the share price, ever since then, actually, mm. probably coincidental, hasn't done uh, so well. And um, I don't know, maybe no. it,
1: it it could be a once-off. I, I, I think the health and life and invest and all those companies that rely on South Africa, uh, even though they've got what Adrian describes as robust results, mm. I think they're slowing down. I think the bottom line there is slowing down. And, and it has to. It has to. In a, you know, we started off this conversation by saying that uh, um, Moody's have downgraded growth here to 0.7%. How can you grow a financial services business or an insurance business in an environment where you got growth of that rate, you know, point seven percent? You can't. You know, it's it, it, it's impossible year after year, and I think it's starting to hurt. You know, and 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 so while they might be up twenty five percent, we don't know the composition of uh, of that number. You know, remember, life had a pretty bad year last year, so this could be recovering from. Uh, you know, f- f- from problems they had there. So probably the 7 and 8% are more in line with what's happening. But that's not good enough.
0: I'd like to see a pie chart of their earnings. I mean, a very simplistic one. If you could just describe to somebody where they derive their income from, you'd say, well, South Africa is 52%, the UK is 22%, etc. I'd like to know, because the UK's I don't care what anyone says It's going to be under pressure and is under pressure at yep. the moment. Yep. I mean, it's getting whacked. Insurance companies are getting whacked because of storms. Uh, the beleaguered high street is is crumbling before our very eyes. Brexit is still an uncertainty. And the European Union has said... Yeah, we're going to be at each other's throats until December. Yeah, which is when the trade deal has to be ratified. I just wonder. And then you've got Ping An, and I don't suppose that insurance mm. business in China is being too badly affected. In fact, it affected. In fact, it might actually be boosted uh, by the coronavirus. But there's, mm. there seems to be something in the future that doesn't quite sit well with the prospects yeah. for discovery.
1: That you know, that's that's the problem because. The health, life, invest, and insure. Insure is very small, but uh, the three first uh, health, life, and invest, that makes up the bulk of um, the profits. In fact, if you look at health, life, invest, and I think about the UK number, the UK business, yes. uh, up to the last set of results, and, you know, you asked me the question, that made 112% of the profits. Mm-hmm. Mm. The rest took away 12%. Okay, so um, I'm trying to put it in very simple form, so health, life and invest and u k give one hundred and twelve, the rest took away twelve. so it means that um, it it's pretty much the kind of picture uh you need health, life and invest to keep providing the profits to you know to finance the other. Now we need that minus twelve to match the hundred that the other three are giving and that 's that 's taking too much time sorry i don 't want to get complicated, but what i 'm trying to say is Yet. that the investment that they 're making you know there 's all this money they're plowing into the bank into vitality to all these other businesses has got to start kicking in sooner or later because that top end you know those three mature businesses are not generating what they used to, and that 's that to me kind of sums it in a very simple way that, you know, this is these are my worries, that, that uh, the other businesses in which they've invested so much money are not kicking in fast enough or big enough to compensate the slowdown that we're seeing in the other businesses.
0: Let's go overseas now, if we can, because I sent out a tweet last night when I was watching Michael Bloomberg or coverage of Michael mm. Bloomberg. He's now spent 400 million U.S. dollars. In his feud with um, with Donald Trump and it was quite interesting he was interviewed by somebody the interviewer said some clever statement like I don't know now you're going head-to-head with another billionaire for the presidency and he said who's the other billionaire because obviously implying that mr. Trump is not a a billionaire (laughs) but this guy's got 60 billion he's paid 400 billion in advertising spend and he's really having—he's really having a go. And if, if you got sixty billion, yes. you'd spend a billion, wouldn't you? Just to just to rival one of the most hated characters in, in your circle of, of friends. I would certainly do it.
1: Well, that's that's his whole purpose. He he watched uh, as this market unfolded. In a, as sorry the Democratic uh, primaries unfolded, and he said, "There's nobody there." Yeah. to stand up against trump he would have he wouldn't he didn't want to go into it but he said hold on a second now, there's no one there that's going to be able to stand up trump and i think that his dislike for trump which he's which has come through in interviews just believing he's not the right man and um, you know someone needs to stand up and uh, um I i'm trying to remember what he said but highly critical of what trump stands for and uh, that's the only reason he decided, okay, well, l- let me give it a go. As you mentioned, he's got a lot of money, significantly more than Trump has. He's not going to outside people for, to finance his uh, campaign. He's doing it all himself. Yeah. And that gives him a lot more pressure. And he, I think he's beginning to worry some of the other uh, incumbents, uh, the Bernie is uh, certainly Biden. You know, and I think he'll come through um i you know we're gonna we're gonna see next week at uh, what they call super tuesday where where a lot of primaries from uh, various you know various states uh take place and you'll see where he is um it could lead to a number of people dropping out. Uh, you know, he, for me, he's the only one who's got any chance of standing up to Trump. Well, he certainly uh, the well, others, <laughs> uh, the others are not going to make
0: it. Talking about standing up to Trump, I mean, Mr. Trump isn't six foot three. We know that he wears lifts and heels, I mean, it's, it's very well documented. <laughs> very well documented. But maybe he's six foot or five foot eleven or something. Trump keeps on going on about Michael Bloomberg being five foot four. He uh, always calls little people Mikey, little, little Michael. Mikey. yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> Mini Mike, Mini Mike calls him, which is very funny. But he's actually five foot seven which isn't tall. I don't know how tall you are, David. It's me. No, is it? Five <laughs> or seven. Uh, mini, mini, what can yeah. I call you? A diminutive David. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> anyway, but you see, it's, but it's, it's a it's a fascinating personal battle they've got going there. And I have to say that Michael Bloomberg <laughs> looks a little bit more composed at the moment than uh, Donald Trump. What else have you been seeing, I, uh, David?
1: Bloomberg can get at him. Yeah. Bloomberg's a sharp man. He really I've, is. I've listened to a number of, of, of interviews where he's spoken with with lloyd Blankfein, you know he's a bloomberg channel and uh he's been you know he he was the mayor of new york and he did a lot of good work for for new york while he was the mayor and uh so he's no monkey you know he's not he's not new to the political scene Mm. Uh, so he he, he, he might not be used to electioneering to kansas or tennessee or those states but uh you know, he certainly hold up again in the in, in California and Chicago and places like that.
0: Yeah, I think so. Have you ever been to the new Bloomberg building in the city of London? I mean, it's been up for, I like, have two and a half.
1: Oh, not London. Sorry, sorry. I've, I've only been to the New York one. It's really, uh, which really is across beautiful. the road from Bloomingdale's, yeah. yeah it's, uh, just and one- it's, it's a staggering building. I'm mm. talking about New York. Yes. It, and um, it is an incredible building. And not only that, um, we come in there. They make you feel welcome. There's coffee. There's biscuits. There's you have no idea what it's like. And I went to their studios. I went to their radio, you know, their radio place, and and they have a full kitchen because people stay late, and especially in a city like New York. I was incredibly impressed. Funny enough, I saw Michael Bloomberg walking around. Yes. And he he, he there's no fancy office the size of uh Empire State, you know, or uh, of a rugby field that hes he's a very humble man from that point of view. I think works in an open office as he did when he was mayor. So, and you know, he's walking around Chatting to people, et cetera. Uh, I did meet him back in the 90s. Uh, I did have the opportunity of meeting him. He, hadn't, he wasn't quite as famous as he is now. I went to a seminar where he was uh, um, a guest of honor. So uh, he 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 won't remember me.
0: Really? <laughs> but David, he said that the London building is exactly the same. They've they excavated it in a very historic area of the city of London. You know the original centre of London, and they found Roman ruins and everything. They've turned it into museums. There's an underground river that was exposed that's now been covered in perspex, and it looks just amazing. You go in there, and it's incredible. It really is. I mean, you, we yeah. talked about the Discovery yeah. Building earlier on, but this thing is out of this world.
1: You you have to understand, you know. I I think few people understand. This is a reasonably new business, you know. Reuters. I don't know when did Mister Reuters start. Reuters. I think maybe the first twenty years, years ago, 1900s or, or thereabouts. Maybe yeah, maybe had before. a big start on Michael Bloomberg. Yeah, hmm. and so Bloomberg's built a formidable organization. Yeah, so really good has.
0: luck to him. Yeah, good luck to him as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's give uh, Trump a run for his money. He won't quite manage it, but uh-huh. uh, anyway, he'll he'll enjoy spending a billion US dollars on, on on giving it a go. Anyway, anything else you're seeing at the moment, David, before we turn to
1: football? Uh, uh, look, I, the markets are strong. Lindsay, you know, I, I, I'm a bull. Yes. I'm an ultra bull. But I must admit that it's uh, taken me by surprise how strong the market is. And I think that before we start to call it, you know, coming back, we were worried about the virus. We were worried about a whole lot of other issues and that. And I think coming back now and taking a step back, I think the only time this market's going to tumble is when we start to see interest rates rise. You know, when you start to get a threat of uh, inflation coming through and rates rising i think it's going to unsettle the market until then just let it run you know what i'm saying don't be too quick to shut it down no. uh, that to me is going to be the only issue so um it's surprising me i'm i'm enjoying it but uh watch you know we've got to watch data for any science. and for the meantime if anything if you looked at retail numbers coming out of the u.s and other data it's more likely that that central banks are going to keep lowering rates rather than raising rates, which just makes it, equities, for whatever reason, a little more attractive than they are. But valuations, you've got to admit – are starting to look a bit stretched. They
0: are, but not too stretched. They can become more stretched, yeah. and um, yeah, yeah, it could be another couple of years. Who knows? It's the longest expansionary period in stock market yeah. recent stock market history. Football now, and we have to bring some money into this because Manchester City <laughs> have been. Now, this is important. I mean, well done to Arsenal, it's by the done. way, for beating Newcastle four 0 But I mean, you know, is that an achievement? I'm not so sure. But anyway, they won four nil. Well, all the
1: Arsenal fans think we've won the league. You know the, Yeah, you've moved you up to know. tenth in the mm-hmm. table.
0: <laughs> I could believe it um, but the other thing like is that, that uh, Manchester City with their Middle Eastern yeah. backing has been banned from mm. the UEFA Champions League for yeah. two years uh, there are there are several implications for this first of all the loss of, of revenue uh, which is I don't know if you win the UEFA Champions League it's worth 90 to 100 million pounds mm. apparently so that's obviously uh, quite significant and even if you get to the quarterfinals or semifinals you're still getting handsomely rewarded but also mm. it just means that Pep who's, you know, he's, he's a football manager. he's He's got an ego. He's not going to be with a team for two years that are not competing in Europe. Right. He's not going to want to just be in charge of a team that's playing Burnley and Newcastle and Huddersfield right. every week. Uh, so yeah, he'll be I gone. The players will leave as well because they want the glamour mm. of going to Milan and Barcelona mm. and Madrid and, and Paris Saint-Germain sure. and all those, those places. It's very, very significant what's happened. It
1: is, and it's it's distressing that they should uh, fudge the numbers like they did yeah and uh, you know hide hide what is uh, an investment as uh, as being sponsorship sales or sponsorship whatever it is yeah. yeah so you know and and listen chelsea suffered chelsea were also banned from buying new players what for 2 years and um, so, it's, you know, it's just, this seems to be all part of fair play. And why do you have to do that? You know, why do they have to do it from that that point of view? And now, I'm sure, I, I don't know how the owners are going to feel, or whether they were part of it. I doubt. I'm not sure they were part of it. But whatever it is, uh, it is going to bring the, you know, it's going to bring the team down, and uh, the next few years is going to be very difficult. And it's sad. It's rather sad, you know, do you really want Sheffield United in the Champions League i mean <laughs> or, or Spurs <laughs> you <know? laughs> but you know but but in all fairness in all fairness the Champions League only becomes uh, interesting now, you know the first part is just such a lot of bunk going because there are teams there that quite honestly deserve are, are no better than Sheffield United, so uh we'll see um listen and and, and even. Liverpool started to look a little tired, you know. Yesterday they were, they seemed to be battled, and this was Norwich. <laughs> so you're beginning to wonder about the league.
0: Yeah, but what you also worry about is uh, when you look at the, the major European leagues, that's Italy, Spain, and the English Premier League. You look mm. at those, those three. The other ones are actually quite exciting. You've got a two-horse race between Barcelona and Real Madrid. You've got Napoli, Inter Milan, and Juventus in the Italian League, which is the most exciting at the moment. You go to England, 25 points clear, Liverpool. They are standout the best team I in doubt. the world at the moment.
1: Oh, oh I no doubt. Absolutely no doubt, and uh, they've got a beautiful balance. And I, you know, where the strength comes is in their line. That's that. That to me just identifies. You know, you can have the greatest striking force, but if you've got no defenders, uh, it, it leaves you vulnerable. But I think uh, Virgil van Dijk and uh, the two backs uh, just just make up the whole team at that, and they never let you down. You know. Game after game, just there and steady. And I think, to a large extent, that's where the uh, you know that's where the league has been won, and that's where this record has been set. It's uh, for me, it's you uh, know in, in, in their defence.
0: Well said, David Shapiro is the <laughs> deputy chairman of Sassoon Securities in Johannesburg, and that was Shapiro World. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors, and do not reflect the policy position